This is Hunter Henry, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today, a guy that you've heard on the podcast previously, you've heard on the Roster Watch radio show dating back, Jesus, Doug, probably almost a decade when we first met and we were having you on the show. I know, it seems so long ago now at this point. Like, think about the fact that I think we met in 2012 when Russell Wilson was coming out of the draft. Yeah. Think about how long Russell Wilson's been in the NFL at this point. <laughs> it's wild, dude. It's, it's, it's wild. I remember, I'll never forget that year uh, down at the senior. Oh, well, I should say his name is Doug Kide. You can find him on Twitter at Doug Kide. That's spelled like, um, what's it spelled like? It's spelled like died. Yeah, D D Y E D K Y E D Doug at Doug Kide on Twitter. He covers the Patriots for Nesson up there in the New England Boston area. Um, I guess, dude, I, I just I, I wanted to. Well, first, I was gonna say what I remember about that senior boy was Byron got sick as hell because there was the pulled pork that they were serving from the bluegill back at that. Um, Back at one, back in one of those tents. Do you, <laughs> yeah. do, do you remember that? And Byron, remember that. Byron ate it and was and managed to get through those practices, even though I was basically sure that he got food poisoning from that from from, oh, from that nasty shit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, di- didn't didn't come away feeling any worse about Russell Wilson or or, or Kirk Cousins though, despite being sick as hell through through his evaluation. <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to just talk to you about the Patriots, man, and just. They're they're a hard team to wrap my mind around. And you and I were talking before you came on. You didn't go to the Super Bowl this year. You typically, I, I guess, you've just get, gotten used to going to the Super Bowl every year, <laughs> covering the Patriots. What did Pretty you much. think? What did you think about seeing? What did you think about seeing seeing Brady? How did the, how did the fans up there in New England react to all this? As it relates to just their general, I, I just I wonder how the fans reacted to it. As it relates to their general. Um, do they still have loyalty to Tom Brady? Did it make them feel bad about their team and how it now stands without him? I'm sure it was a complex set of emotions that you saw fans have over this whole deal. Yeah, I, I think you saw all the memes like during the game where like, uh, like here's how Patriots fans feel about this. And like, I, I really don't think it was that negative. I, I think that Patriots fans actually were pretty happy to see Brady in the Super Bowl. I think that they were mostly cheering for him. I didn't get a lot of negativity. I even saw like some of the Patriots fans getting kind of defensive about Tom Brady. Like they used to get when he was in new England. I'm not sure really how they felt about him and about the whole situation during the season. But I think just the fact that it was Brady and Gronk 
playing against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, where it really wasn't that hard for Patriots fans to determine who they were going to cheer for just because the Chiefs are so uh, disliked up here in this region. So I honestly thought it was it was mostly positive from Patriots fans. I think they were pretty happy to see Brady win. And obviously they're hoping that the Patriots can get back in the Super Bowl or back uh, to being successful in the upcoming seasons here. But I was actually kind of surprised by it. I was surprised at how positive everyone was about uh, Brady winning the Super Bowl. Do, do you think uh, do you think that whenever fans like it, it, it just has to come up and I know there's no real there's no re- I don't want to say is because you have the people saying well was it Brady or was it Belichick and I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think it's that easy to sit to say like it right. feels like it's both of them but do you feel like there's some I mean do you feel like there's something to that do you feel like there's something to the thing where we say like well Brady was the GOAT Belichick was the GOAT I mean do you think now maybe like we consider Brady sort of more of the GOAT at what he does, then then Belichick is at what he does. I think it's definitely easy to say that after what happened this year, that you take Brady away from Belichick and Brady immediately went to Super Bowl. You take Brady or you, you know, remove Belichick from Brady or whatever, and then Belichick goes seven and nine this season. So I think it is easy to say that. I think that ultimately what actually happens on the field is more important. Obviously, Bill Belichick built all of those teams and was the head coach on those teams. So he has more to do with the team's success than even a normal head coach or general manager because he plays both those roles. And that's why this is even a conversation at all. Mm-hmm. So I would probably lean, like if I had to pick, choose, I would probably pick Brady a little bit more based off the fact that he did have more success this season. The fact that, you know, there was the times before the Patriots when Belichick was on the Browns and they didn't have that much success. So I would say that Brady probably had slightly more to do with it, but I mean, it's pretty close to 50, 50. I think that both of those guys deserve a lot of the credit uh, for what happened with the Patriots over the last 20 years. And I mean, if Bill Belichick can now add a quarterback, whether that's, you know, a draft pick or one of these veteran options that are out there. And if he can make the playoffs next season or, if they can go to the Super Bowl, then it's right back to being a conversation like it was this season. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's an interesting debate and it's definitely worthy of having a conversation and it, but it is so close that it's hard to really like, you know, stick your, your, your flag in the ground for one of these guys over the other. Well, they're going to be having that conversation in Boston for the next 50 years at bars <laughs> yes. and over, over beers and, and arguing about it with each other, I'm sure. Um, what about – so but you, you mentioned it was the next place I want to go, so you segued in perfectly. What about the quarterback? What, first, maybe let me ask you, what was your view of Cam Newton as somebody that covered the team? So, but I guess you weren't around the team as much as you normally would have right. been this year. But still, dude, I mean, you, you guys have more access than, oh, than sure. more access than anybody. You know more than anybody about kind of what's going on behind the scenes. You have your sources. What is like just, I know it's kind of a broad question, but what did you think of Cam Newton's 2020 season with the New England Patriots? I thought it was disappointing. I think that I, I think that it would be disappointing if the Patriots ultimately decide to bring him back in 2021 as well, simply because I know that the odds were stacked against him. I know that he didn't have the off season. He had to learn the complex playbook. Um, You know, there, he didn't have the weapons around him uh, that other quarterbacks did. Patriots definitely had among the worst weapons in the NFL, but I just didn't see that upward trajectory from Cam Newton that I would have liked to have seen if he had been playing 
significantly better over the last quarter of the season than he did in the first half or the first three quarters, or if there was that just upward trend throughout the season, then I would say, yeah, bring him back. See if he can be better next season than he was in 2020. But it was just kind of all over the place. He was good at the start of the season. Then he got COVID. Then he wasn't as good over the next quarter of the season. Then his play started to pick up a little bit over that three-quarter mark. And then it dropped off again over the he last bad quarter. Again. Bad again. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> if, if it had been consistent or if we had seen something different there, then I don't know. Then I'd be more optimistic about bringing him back. But I just thought that it wasn't a great fit. And for them to just roll it back, run it back, it just feels like it would be treading water from last season. And I do think it would help if he had another offseason under his belt. I do think it would help if he had better weapons in there but I'm just not sure how much it would help because he really did struggle last season. After that Seattle game, you thought to yourself, Jesus, we're cooking with grease here. Right. This, this is, this is, things could go big here. Um, like you said, it didn't pan out, but it, w- it was weird. It wasn't like you could figure out why from week to week or what was going on. Right. because It was so up and down. Um, it, I, I just, I look, th- I look at the Patriots. Uh, so basically the Patriots, it looks like, they're going to have among the most cap space of anybody in the whole league. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are also, interestingly, for a team that is sort of set to maybe reload a little bit here, they're also one of the oldest teams in the league. If you look at the average age of player, 26.7 um, average age of player, that would make them the what the sixth oldest team in the league by average age. It's kind of, that's, kind of, that's kind of an interesting mix. You know, a lot of cap space, but you're kind of older. Um, what do you think? What, what are the Patriots right now? What are their biggest needs? The, well, I, w- I want to ask you that, but maybe before we ask that, clearly quarterbacks in need. Mm-hmm. Do you think it gets addressed through free agency? Do you think it gets addressed through the draft? Do you think that there's anything to the Jared Stidham truthers out there, or any of the, any of this other stuff? Is there anybody on the on the roster that could be viable? Because it, dude, b- before Cam came on board, it did feel like we were talking about the possibility of. Hey, maybe we have a Jared Stidham to Nikhil Harry connection this next year. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen? What do you think? How do you, if, if you had to, if, if, if I put a gun to your head and said, what's going to happen? What do you, like, what do you think? I think the Patriots in a really are in a really tough position because they have the 15th overall pick and those top four quarterbacks are probably going to be gone by the time they're picking 15th. Uh, Trey Lance, I would imagine would be coming off the board before that. So they either have to, Love Mac Jones enough to take him number which, 15. Oh God, which, I, I would love that, but I don't it, know if they would. I would love it. That's a, if he's even there, because obviously there, there's a possibility that someone could fall in love with him before that as well. So it's that they either have to take a guy like Mac Jones at 15, trade up to get into the Trey Lance or Justin Fields conversation. Or, but the problem is that they don't know what's going to happen in the draft. So if those situations don't go their way, and then suddenly they're left without a quarterback. So I think that they do need to make that decision now. They need to go into free agency knowing what their exact plan is at quarterback, whether that is to sign a guy who's out there like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston, whether that's trading for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, Marcus Mariota is now on the trade block. <laughs> Jimmy G, Derek wouldn't that Carr, be a, Carson Wentz. Wouldn't that be a trip to trade I, for Jimmy G? <laughs> I honestly think that that's kind of the best scenario. Like they, the Patriots were high on Stidham last season. I'm not exactly sure what transpired 
between April when they passed on all the quarterbacks and July when they decided to sign Cam Newton and then oh. never really gave Jared Siddham a fair shake in training camp. You know, it was a tough summer because he didn't get OTAs to show himself and then he got hurt during training camp. And while he got hurt, Cam Newton took over the job. But the fact that the Patriots never really gave him that shot during the season tells me that eh, probably the, the upside there at this point is probably as a backup and that they do need to bring someone in. Honestly, my best guess would probably be Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not sure how he becomes available. That's the thing that has to happen. That's the domino that has to fall. Is it Kirk Cousins or something needs to go to the 49ers right. and then all of a sudden Belichick is swooping and say, hey, what are, what's, what's going exactly. on here with Jimmy like, G? Right. Yeah, the 49ers have to acquire, like you said, Kirk Cousins. Or I don't think they're, they're really in love with Carson Wentz, but if they love one of these quarterbacks in the draft or if they trade for a guy like Mariota or Cousins or Wentz or someone out there and then Jimmy Garoppolo becomes available, I think that that's – the best mix of value and security at that position, because you're probably only going to have to tra- trade a second or third round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. His contract is pretty high, but at oh, least yeah. you're not forking over the first round pick for Wentz, or you're not, you know, trading a third round pick for Marcus Mariota, who's been benched and, and has gone through all mm-hmm. this stuff. So I do still think that that's the best overall option, but the problem there is that that domino has to fall for him to become available. All right. Yeah. I, I think it, I'd never, to be, to be completely honest, I hadn't thought much about Jimmy G to the Patriots just because it felt, feels like it's kind of water under the bridge and stuff, but it would feel like, it, I mean, it, it would, it would make sense. He certainly, he certainly would come in with a little bit of a, a good bit of knowledge about what was, what was making that McDaniels thing click well, the, the, the whole time Brady was there. Um, what do you, what do you think about the running back position? I want to ask you about the skill guys and stuff. All, Cause I have questions about all of them because yeah. At running back, Damian Harris looks like he's got the most juice out of all those guys. We know that they love to have a committee up there. But Sony Michelle just really felt – all these Georgia guys, dude, the, <laughs> Todd Gurley, these dudes with these knees, it's like they feel like they fall off a cliff, fall off a cliff pretty quick. Did you notice that out of Michelle that it seemed like his juice had just been sapped? And it, but, man, it really happened fast. And it really should maybe teach us the lesson that we should worry about these arthritic conditions as they're coming out, that even if you don't notice it right then and you say, well, look at the way you can move. I don't care about this. Man, two or three years down the road, it seems, boy, it sure seems to be slowing him down. Did you see that? What did you think that Damian Harris could take on more of a lead role? And what's the deal with Burkett? Like, is Burkhead coming back? What Like, what do you think about the running back position? It's definitely an interesting position because James White's a free agent. Rex Burkhead's a free agent. Uh, Burkhead's coming off the knee injury. So I would say that they'll probably try to bring him back on some sort of veteran minimum contract. We'll see what happens with White. I think in an ideal situation, they bring him back. But he wasn't quite as good in 2020 as he had been in years previous. And I would imagine that someone like Tom Brady would love to bring in James White since the Buccaneers running backs struggled oh, so much to catch the ball. And they're not going to pay Fournette. They're not going to give Fournette right. any money. Yeah, For yeah. sure. <laughs> but then, yeah, that brings you to Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle. And uh, there's even been some talk in New England. Oh, could the Patriots get anything for Sonny Michelle in a trade? I think that that's not even a worthwhile conversation to have because you probably only get a late round pick for him. And I think that you need that depth at the running back position where Damian Harris enters 2021 as your starter because he was very good last season. But then he was banged up last year. Uh, he barely played as a rookie. So I think that you do still need Sony Michelle 
to be behind him as that other potential lead back. And Sonny Michel was good as a rookie, uh, really tailed off in his second season without James uh, Devlin in there. Without a fullback, he really struggled in 2019. But then that's last an year, that's an interesting point to bring up. I yeah. haven't talked much about that. Last year, he was banged up again, but actually wound up probably having on a per snap basis. His best season, he had one game right before he got injured where he ripped off uh, two really long runs, had 100 yards on something like 12 carries. And then over the last three or four games of the season, when he came back into the lineup, he was actually really good again. Um, And I think that it was probably helpful for him to get those fresh legs, but it was also helpful for him to have Jakob Johnson in there as his fullback because he's not a guy who can produce on his own without that lead blocker. But then once you get that fullback in there, whether it was James Devlin in 2018 or Jakob Johnson in 2020, he looks like a different player. So I've got high hopes for the Patriots running backs in general next season. You throw the undrafted rookie JJ Taylor into the mix as well. Maybe he takes on more of that James White type role. And I think that they've definitely got some juice there at the running back position. Um, I don't think it's an ideal situation fantasy wise, simply because I think that Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle are pretty similar players. I think that Damian Harris is the better player, but I could definitely envision a scenario where they wind up, you know, producing somewhere along the same carries next season, just based off one guy's injured, one guy's in there, you know, kind of getting a different look, seeing what Sony Michelle can do against one team, seeing what Damian Harris can do against one team. Uh, so I think that it's a good position for the Patriots, maybe not the best situation fantasy wise. Yeah. It, well, I, th- Right, but I th- I think it's maybe like a running back, uh, like a like a flex kind of right. play in a standard league. Because Damian Harris yeah. wasn't catching. And by the way, so what 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 happened? What happened with all the camp reports about Damian Harris receiving? Like it, like I was like everybody said it. Byron, I think Byron was up there. He he yeah. had, he had he had said it or like I think I could be getting my timelines mixed up. I definitely heard from the Patriots beat or from out of the Patriots that Damian Harris was getting used a lot in the receiving game, but then they don't even throw him the football during the year. So I think the biggest problem there was simply that there wasn't any targets to go around. I think that Damian Harris does still have potential as a pass catcher, but when you've got Cam Newton in some games throwing 19 passes and and 10 of those are going to, to Jacoby Myers because he's the only receiver that he can trust then you just really, then you get five targets to James White and you get, you know, three targets to Demir Bird, whatever it is. There's just not that many left over for Damian Harris or the rookie tight ends or Nikhil Harry or all of these other guys. So if this was an offense that had, you know, 40 passes per game or something like that, then I think that a guy like Damian Harris or even Sonny Michelle could be more heavily involved in the passing game. But last year was really, it's just tough to gauge what was going on simply because the Patriots were running the ball so much. Cam Newton was struggling so much as a passer, and they just really weren't dropping back to pass that often. Well, speaking of the pass catchers, I want to ask about the wide receivers, but when you mentioned the, you, you, you mentioned the two young tight ends with yep. Ossie Ossie and Keen, um, and those are two guys that, at least in my dynasty leagues, I kind of look at and I smell a just a bit of maybe a sneaky buying opportunity. You know, we, we yeah. got to plan on this all that we got, we got to play on the offense being better than it was this last year. I mean, it's, it's going to be better. It's going to be less disjointed. And, and um, like you said, roller coaster, like it's just hard, hard to know what to expect. It feels like with the draft capital that they spent on those guys, with the success they've had with 
you know, when they do go big on these tight ends and these two tight end classes, we know how that's gone for them before. Um, if, if you, if for just from a, from a pure fantasy perspective, not to hand in the dirt, one guy yeah. can really open up blocking lanes or something, but from a fantasy perspective, would there be one of those guys that you would focus in on most if you were interested on maybe buying one on the cheap in one of your dynasty or keeper leagues? Probably Aussie Aussie simply because he's more of the traditional tight end. I'm not really sure what the Patriots plans still are for Dalton Keene. I could even envision a scenario where he's kind of used like Kyle Hughes check, depending on what happens uh, with, with um, Jakob Johnson this off season. But I mean, you mentioned the cap space earlier, the Patriots do have like 60 or $70 million in cap space this off season. And they have a decision to make at that tight end position because, I mean, as you know, you know, when it comes down to dynasty tight ends, it's usually a second or third year jump for those guys. Patriots rookie tight ends did basically nothing, but that's kind of the status quo for rookie tight ends in general, just because it's such a tough position to learn. It was even more difficult this season without the traditional offseason, no preseason, no OTAs, no rookie minicamp, all of that stuff. So the Patriots have a decision to make this offseason where do they bet on Aussie Aussie or Keen making that second year jump, or do they go out there and sign a guy like Hunter Henry or sign a guy like Gerald Everett or Ooh, sign a guy Hunter like Henry. And that would be Patriots like, wouldn't Bill it? Bill Belichick loves Hunter Henry. Like before that Chargers <laughs> game this season, he, he just like out of nowhere started talking about how he's been watching Hunter Henry since Henry was in high school at Arkansas. Because oh goodness gracious. Uh, relationship with Hunter Henry's high school coach. They're the the team that, you know, never, uh, they never punt. They onside kick every time. Like Hunter Henry went to that school. Will Hastings went to that school. A few other guys went to that school. So Bill Belichick was like raving about Hunter Henry. He makes sure to talk to him after every single game. So there's definitely a connection there. And Bill Belichick loves him. He's definitely that type of player. At the same time, who knows how much Hunter Henry is going to cost on the open market this year because the Chargers franchised him last year. If he's costing $10, $12 million a year, Patriots get him on a cap it for around eight or nine million, then that lessens what else they can do in free agency this offseason. So that's the decision that they have to make. They have to make the decision of whether Aussie Aussie or Keen can make that second year jump or if they need to go out and spend at that position. So I would say to answer your question, Aussie Aussie is probably the better bet to be the receiving tight end in this group, but definitely a possibility that they could bring in a guy like Hunter Henry, uh, Gerald Everett, like I mentioned, or Johnny Smith, who was another guy that uh, Bill Belichick was raving about during the 2019 season for his combination of athleticism and blocking prowess. Oh, that, Johnny, that would be, that would be another one. And we've, and, and we've reached the portion of my, uh, of some plumbers being here at my house where I think that they're drilling into the side of my studio. So if you, <laughs> if you, if you hear that in the background, that's what's going on. I just, I, I, I just have a couple, uh, just a couple other questions for you, brother. And I'll, and I'll get you out. What about, what about Nikhil Harry? What can we expect out of that guy? And then just out of the, I mean, is, I mean, you, you just gave that look for people who are listening. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what it means, uh, but it's, it's like, has the ship sailed? I, um, it feels like it's close to close. It feels like it's on, there at the Harbor at the very least. Um, what do you think about Nikhil Harry and then Jacoby Myers really came on. He's a guy that I'm sure you were at that senior bowl for him, but it didn't seem like he was a guy that was going to be a guy that commanded 11, 15 targets per game. That, that felt like it was certainly out of necessity, right? That isn't something that we could continue moving forward 
with with Myers, right? I mean, what what do you think about those two specifically? And then I guess if you could also touch on the how you see the future with Julian Edelman and mm-hmm. is Demir Bird going to stick around? Like, what, what what is that receiving core as far as your your overall outlook? I think Myers fits really well into the Patriots' offense just because he can be that Julian Edelman type guy who he's not the fastest, uh, gets by better on his quickness and smarts and and catching ability, where I think that he could be that guy who can play in the slot and play outside. And I, I don't know if he's anything more than a, a potential number two, but I think that he has that potential in the Patriots offense. Nikhil Harry's tough because I still don't think that the Patriots are really using him right. They're like gadgeting ways to get him the ball when you'd think that the guy who's six foot three, 225 pounds would probably be the better option on those contested catches down the field. But the Patriots have just been really hesitant to consistently use him in those situations. And now you're looking at a guy who two years in a row now really has not lived up to expectations. I mean, entering the 2020 season when he's only competing with Jacoby Myers, Demir bird, and a 34-year-old Julian Edelman to get these targets from Cam Newton. And by all accounts, from talking to those guys, they had a great relationship when he can only get 33 catches for 309 yards. And as soon as he went down with the concussion, Jacoby Myers immediately stepped up into that number one role in the Patriots offense and never let it go. It's just not a great sign moving forward for Harry. And I think that all expectations need to significantly be tempered heading into 2021 and beyond where it really would not even surprise me if the Patriots decide to move on from Harry and maybe trade him this off season or something, because it just hasn't been there. Doesn't seem like the greatest fit. And the fact that he was passed so heavily by Jacoby Myers in a season where that wide receiver position was really wide open, not a great sign for him. I mean, his numbers are just bizarre. He's averaged 9.2 yards per reception during his career, 5.1 yards per target. Those are numbers where you would usually see out of like a five foot nine, 180 pound wide receiver, not a six, three, two, five guy, right? They're, they're scheming the way to get him the ball on screens, on end arounds, all these things. And that's not really just the best way to use him. So I do think that ultimately he'll probably be back. Ultimately, Jacoby Myers will have a starting role next season. I don't think Demir will be back simply because I think the Patriots will spend at that position, try to get one of those top wide receivers on the market to join that wide receiver core. And I think you might as well bring Julian Edelman back as well. I think his cap hits only about four or five million dollars. I don't think that he'll be the Julian Edelman of old, but I do think that they could use him similar to how uh, Danny Amendola was used from 2013 until 2017 is sort of that like pseudo number three, number four wide receiver comes on the field on third down and obvious passing situations and really gets heavily used in the slot just as a way to protect him a little bit. But I do think the Patriots will add one or two big pieces uh, in that offense at wide receiver, whether that is, you know, the top, top guys like Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, or whether it's a few of those second or third tier guys, the ones who always came, come to mind for me are Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, um, someone like Josh Reynolds, I think could be a decent fit in that offense, but they really need to add at least two players to that wide receiver core just to get it over that hump where they're no longer clearly the worst wide receiver core in the NFL. Imagine a 2021 Patriots offense with Jimmy Garoppolo slinging the football to Hunter Henry and Josh Reynolds. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, that's what, that's what we're looking at. It's, yeah. it's going to be a ton of turnover this year where 
this Patriots offense really won't resemble what it was looking like last year or in years prior before simply because they do need so many pieces on offense there.